This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. For more information, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. Airbnb is a company that has intrigued millions of Americans who are looking for an alternative to the normal hotel room stay when they have to visit another city, either on vacation or on business. It's a company that has had its shares of issues as well along the way, having to deal with various regulations in cities across the U.S. But sometimes in innovation, you have to change the narrative, which is something that Airbnb has done. Lee Gallagher is one of the journalists interested in how they have done this. She is an assistant managing editor at Fortune, and she takes an in-depth look at the company in her new book, The Airbnb Story, How Three Ordinary Guys Disrupted an Industry, Made Billions, and Then Created Plenty of Controversy. And Lee joins us right now. Lee, welcome. Dan, great to be here with you. Thank you. I think there, I mean, it, the amount of people that are intrigued by this company, whether they, they use Airbnb or not, is, is massive. But what was it specifically that drew you in? Well, it's partially that. I tend to go for topics that have that sort of, I call it a cocktail party factor, where you bring it up and everybody has an opinion about it, whether sure. good or bad or personal experience or whatever. But, you know, I had started looking at this company way back, and it first came on my radar in 2008, 2009. I am the editor of Fortune's 40 Under 40 list. So every year we get these kind of breathless pitches from these new companies out of Silicon Valley that are going to change the world. And when I heard about this one, as I say in the book, I really I rolled my eyes and I said, you know, this is an old idea. I've used VRBO or HomeAway.com for years. Right. What is it with these tech companies that think they can, you know, gloss something up and reissue it onto the marketplace? And so I just sort of, you know, I put that away. And then, sure enough, a year or two later, they had their growth had just really started to to catch fire. And I had the chance to interview the CEO Brian Chesky at an event. Uh, that we we host a tech conference in Aspen every year at Fortune, and my colleagues had asked me to do the interview, and I said, okay. So then I dug into the numbers, and they just really spoke for themselves. I just quickly learned I was wrong to dismiss them so much, and and that's when I first started just looking at the company in closer detail. And it's really what drew me to it is just it's this incredibly uh, transformative way to travel, but this incredibly social business and, and kind of cultural um, disruption story, and right. it just touches so many things. So I, I was really into that. And I guess when you start a company, and in this industry, uh, basically by renting out your own apartment, I guess that's what the, these guys did, uh, Chesky along with Joe Gebbia and, and uh, Nate Blacharsik, uh, that that's obviously a unique way to get a company started to begin with. It is, yeah, and the whole you know the whole story around their origin is so it's 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 way more can takes a lot more twists and turns than most people know who have read about the company. I mean, it's it's sort of they've sort of oversimplified it to tell the story hundreds of times, but right. it really was it was purely accidental, as as are many of the most interesting kind of inventions, right? Uh, and also, everyone thought that they were completely crazy. Uh, and no one thought this was a good idea. So, uh, I mean, people said to them, you know, I hope you have another idea. I hope this isn't the only thing you're working on. Or <laughs> uh, people actually do this. What's wrong with them? Right. Uh, in- investors they met with wouldn't even meet with them. Or if they did, they just said, you guys are crazy. There's going to be a murder in one of these houses. There's going to be blood on your hands. Uh, I am not touching this with a 10-foot pole. And no one did. And they almost didn't get, they almost didn't get off the ground. They almost had to 
close up shop because so, no one people thought it was that crazy. So what was it? What was the turning point for them early on that that really started to get a little positive momentum going? Well, there were two moments I would say. The one was when they first rented out their apartment this first weekend when a, when a conference was coming to town, they needed to make their rent and they in put, San, in San Francisco. This is in San Francisco, yeah. yes, and this is two of the three co-founders, Brian Chesky and Joe Gebbia. They were the RISD graduates, Rhode Island School of Design, and they needed to make money, and they rented it out their apartment, and they said, well, there's lots of designers coming to town, so let's, uh, let's offer them a place to stay with an air mattress, and it'll be a whole experience. We'll show them the city, right. et cetera. They thought they were going to get hippie backpackers, and instead they got lots of people just like them who wanted those air mattresses, and uh, they had people sending their resumes and their LinkedIn profiles, so they thought we might might be onto something right after that. But then what really changed was when they got accepted into Y Combinator, the uh, San Francisco Accelerator Program, yeah. uh, Startup Accelerator Program. And, and they, they didn't even want to do that. They had to be pushed to applying because they thought by that point they'd already launched their company, they'd been written up in TechCrunch, and they were sort of um, offended that someone would suggest that you need to do Y Combinator, but they would have died if they didn't. And that you know program really gives a lot of advice, a lot of hands-on um, guidance, and the founder, co-founder, Paul Graham, told them immediately, you've got to go to your users. So they didn't have many users, but the few that they had were in New York City. Yeah. And that hadn't occurred to them. They came here to New York, where I am, and they really sat with their users and helped them dress up their properties with better language, better pricing, and just sort of gussied up the listings. And that was enough to turn the numbers where they then started to catch fire. Which is interesting because uh, when you think about this particular industry right now, and you're originally from the Philadelphia area, and, and mm-hmm. I'm sure you spent many a summer weekend down at the Jersey Shore. Uh, uh, <laughs> yep. You know, I mean, you think about going to a shore location in the summertime, for the mo- majority of it, that's people renting out their own houses. And that's been something that's been kind of a core, I think, of pretty much any beach community for a long period of time. So the fact that this idea in big cities took so long to kind of really explode it's a it's a tad surprising. It is surprising. And that's where, you know, when I sort of rolled my eyes and said, oh, there's all these other sites. Well, Airbnb really was different. And you, you, you said it. It was urban. None of these other sites, uh, they were for beach houses or mountain towns or yeah. they were for second home rental, which is a huge business. And we've all we've all done that. And, you know, Brian Chesky, when someone said to him, oh, you know, I'm interested in your company because the vacation rental market is huge. He said, vacation rental. Wait, you mean like the houses at the beach my parents used to rent? Right. He hadn't even connected those dots. He did not see them as a vacation rental company. So it was um, it was that it was urban. It was also that it was uh, home sharing. So renting out space while the owner or the resident was there. That was the original idea. Now they still do that. The majority of the business is renting out a full space. But that was a really new thing, and that was definitely out there. And then, you know, they, also, they did other things like made the profiles really reflect people's personalities. They did a review system, which was intended to be sort of a checks and balances system to keep everybody honest. And, uh, and then also, you know, I think they came along at the right time because it was the Great Recession. People were looking for a cheap way to travel. And they just struck a chord with millennials who were this massive market who were at the time not really being spoken to by the traditional hotel industry. Right. They loved this way of adventurous travel that was a bargain and just cool and neat and authentic and artisanal. You know, it was all those things. 
You bring up the hotel industry, and obviously that was one of the, uh, the the big kind of hurdles that they had to clear because of the fact that being urban and this being such a new idea, the hotel industry did in many locations around the United States, Philadelphia here uh, being one of them, did not really take well to having this as, as kind of a rival, even though you bring up the fact that they don't really see themselves as rivals. Yeah, this is a really complicated uh, topic, and, and it's changed over time. So in the beginning, I mean, no one would dispute that the hotel industry was very late to see Airbnb as even something they should pay attention to. Right. I have a, a line in the book where a CFO of one of the biggest hotel chains was asked about Airbnb in 2013, not that long ago, and he said, what's Airbnb? And, uh, you know, then they kind of came around, and, and originally they had this kind of friendly relationship where the CEOs of a few of the, the big chains even went to Airbnb's headquarters to, for a day of immersion. Uh, but behind the scenes, and increasingly, it has gotten much frostier, and that's because, you know, both sides try to say that they don't compete. Um, Brian Chesky, just last week I had a conversation with him, and he said, you know, this is overstated. Most people either wouldn't travel or they'd stay with friends and family. We're not really replacing hotels. But the data really shows and that, that that's increasingly starting to happen. And yeah. this is a company that's doubled every year. So even if it's not right now, you know, it's going to double in size. And, so, uh, and, and it is com- competitive, especially around what's called compression pricing, where hotels charge a higher rate when there's a big event that b- boosts demand. That's sort of... Yeah you know, basic supply and demand economics. And now Airbnb absorbs all that extra demand. So it's it's complicated. And uh, I think that they're going to have to find ways to coexist. I mean, the hotel industry is funding a lot of the opposition uh, to Airbnb in certain key markets. Yeah. But, um, they know that this is something that has struck a chord with the consumer at the same time. So they are not trying to deny that the, the hotel industry. The other interesting thing is just the fact that, that people living in these cities were willing to offer up their properties, uh, you know, I mean, obviously the numbers have grown significantly uh, over the last few years, but that people were willing to do this. And, and, you know, as you kind of alluded to with some of the initial uh, questions of investors, a lot of people probably had hesitancy at the outset, uh, but then there was probably that segment of the public that was like, yeah, I got no problem doing this. Yeah, you know, it's funny. And, and it, it, one of the transformative things, and I think one of the th- reasons why it took off is because for the first time, you know, if you are a millennial college grad, with a, if you're renting a studio apartment, you can suddenly turn that into an income stream. And yeah. so you could become sort of a real estate, you know, mini little mogul for yourself, even if your only claim to real estate was a rented studio apartment. And so obviously then you'd have to go find some place to stay and people get all kinds of inventive you know, when they, they, they think they crash with friends or obviously sometimes they go out of town or sometimes they're staying in the place and renting out another room or et cetera. But, um, but that was really a, a big thing. I think a lot of people, you know, everyone has a friend who's made a lot of money by doing this and has some kind of side hobby or, you know, gets to travel more or gets to do whatever. I mean, it really is. Airbnb pitches it as we are helping the middle class stay in their homes. Right. Uh, that's a very, very popular and very strongly worded line that they use. Um, and it's true, but I think it's also anyone is making extra money and doing whatever they want with it. So, 
Lee Gallagher is the author of the book, The Airbnb Story. She joins us here on Knowledge at Wharton on Sirius XM 111, business radio powered by the Wharton School. Your comments welcome at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. Or if you're not able to get to your phone, you're more than welcome to send us a comment via Twitter, either at BizRadio111 or my Twitter account, which is at DanLoney21. So the, the relationship between... Airbnb in the hotel industry right now is what? Well, it's funny. I mean, on the surface, the CEOs would say uh, they are, you know, they they recognize that Airbnb has struck upon something, this home concept. You know, this is something that the consumer likes, and we're going to try to address it. Uh, Behind the scenes, you know, hotel CEOs did not want to go on the record with me for the book, except for uh, one, David Kong, the CEO of Best Western Hotels and Resorts. And he had a lot to say. He said, you know, uh, how can the hotel industry say this isn't a threat? Next time you're on stage at a conference, ask the audience, raise your hand if you're staying at an Airbnb and see what happens. Yeah. And so, uh, but, you know, I think that it's really important to, to, to the, this notion that they are trying to adopt what works from Airbnb. And I think one thing we're going to see is a lot of experimentation on behalf of the hospitality industry. We're already seeing it. Accor Hotels... Uh, has acquired One Fine Stay, which is a, a competitor in the space that does sort of high-end um, home stays. It's, yeah. it's much more high-touch because they come in and they change the linens and everything. But uh, And they acquired it. They it took a stake in another company. And I think we're going to see all kinds of experimentation. Choice Hotels is getting into – has vacation rentals by choice. You know, this is this is going to be a big uh, growth area now, and um, and it's thanks to Airbnb kind of exposing it. How, a, outside of those changes, but how have has the hotel industry reacted with their properties specific? Because as you bring up, there's the quality of being in a home and staying it for a lot of people is very attractive. Uh, there are people that just you know, especially if you're a business travel a traveler and you travel a lot, staying in hotels weekend after week after week can be a little monotonous. So the hotel industry has probably had to make some some changes along the way to kind of adjust how they work with the consumer, the business traveler, whoever it may be, to improve the uh, improve the approach and make it more attractive for them to not lose customers on a consistent basis. Yeah, they're doing this. I mean, even before Airbnb, the hotel industry had started making a lot of changes to try to address the millennial market, which it hadn't really been addressing before. Now, you could say, you know, millennials, you know, you can't just make some changes and suddenly draw the millennial market. But, um, you know, Marriott is an example. They've launched a few different chains that are designed for millennials specifically. But I think in terms of tweet, making tweaks directly in response to Airbnb, a couple things. I mean, you, you know, some of them are, are doing even minor things, like we have unique different artwork now in the rooms. Or um, one of the things that many of them are doing are, are really helping um, becoming more of, a des- more of a kind of gathering place for locals in the community because a big thing that Airbnb sells is you can live like a local and you get to interact with somebody who lives there who can tell you where to go, et cetera. They're trying yeah. to play that up a little more. Uh, but then they're also trying to offer that kind of home rental, uh, and some of them are starting to do that, and that's what I think we'll see a lot more of. I mean, many people envision a future where you can go to a hotel, check in at the front desk, and pick up the keys to your apartment rental that's going to be nearby <laughs> as these partnerships get more and more developed. And there already have been some pilots around that. So, um, And then the other thing that's going to change is on the, on the rental front, people like Airbnb and services like that, but they, some people want a little more service. They want to be able to have you know, 
things delivered to them, room service, you know, go to a spa or go to a lobby bar. And there's going to be all kinds of experimentation that allow you to stay in a home rental, but still, you know, avail yourself of some of those services, whether you have to go to a local club or whether it's an outside firm that delivers you room service. You know, it's all, it's all, it's a whole brave new world. And, 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 you know, the kind of both sides are kind of converging, and I think we'll see more of that. So this is something that that, that Brian Chesky and and his other co-founders uh, of Airbnb they are very well aware of, and they understand that even with the success that they have had, adjustment will be needed as we go along here. Absolutely, they're really. Um, I mean, they're they're. It's a hard company to cover from a book perspective because they're moving very fast, and so. Uh, one of the big things they did in terms of looking to the future, they were very not, uh, aware that, you know, they looked at all the tech giants from the 90s and saw that almost all of them are not really relevant anymore today. And they thought, you know, we don't want to be that. We don't want to be a company that was a flash in the pan. Uh, and then 10, 15 years later, it, you know, has, people have moved on. And so one of their, um, their lessons from that was that the best companies are in more than one category. So last fall, and Amazon is their big, big model for this. I mean, who doesn't want to be like Amazon? Sure, but yeah. they, they decided to get into, um, they launched a new platform called Airbnb Trips, which offers yeah. things like experiences and services and restaurant reservations. Uh, soon they're going to add to that things like grocery delivery, chef cooking services, ground ha- transportation. They keep talking about something around flights. We don't know what that's going to be, but you know they really want to get into owning all of the travel experience and making it all sort of this kind of Airbnb people powered. Um, you know, live like a local. Kind of bring that to all these other aspects of the travel experience. So do, they are definitely going forward. Do they expect to be a target of a takeover somewhere down the road? Because I, you you bring up Amazon, and Amazon is certainly trying to be the be all end all for everybody. I, I mean, I would think there there's probably a few companies out there that would probably like to see if they could find a way to acquire something like an Airbnb. Yeah, but you know, right now at a valuation of thirty-one billion, it's it's really going to prohibit a lot of people from coming after them. Right. Uh, and and Brian Chesky has a lot of thoughts about this. In particular, he really believes that the bigger you are, the bet the, the 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 more you can withstand those kinds of things, whether it's a sure. takeover or being in the public market. You know, he has this theory, and Jeff Bezos sort of told, helped shape this theory in him, and so did Reed Hoffman. He's got all these advisors that, you know, the rest of us would just kill for. But, um, <laughs> you know, they, they've told him that, you know, public companies that are anywhere between $10 billion and $8 billion, $80 billion market cap, they don't tend to do so well. It's easy for them to get kind of bounced around in the markets. And, and you know, if you're bigger, if you're, if you're you know, multi-hundred billion dollar market cap, you can much more easily withstand anything that comes your way. It's not easy to be a public company, but the bigger you are, the better you can take the kind of blows of the public market. So people keep saying, when are they going to go public? They've been waiting so long. But, uh, you know, I think that that they really want to be go public when they are as big as they can possibly be before they go public. So and I think that applies to acquisitions or other things. They are now becoming an acquirer. They had just recently acquired acquired a luxury company. They're going to get into that segment of the market. They've made some other acquisitions. And I think we'll see more of that. Because there are so many different elements that they're not involved in that that they can bring something forth to the consumer, which is obviously, as you said, with the with the run of people wanting to have experiences these days, that just it just plays into another level of growth for for a company like Airbnb. 
Yeah, and I think that was a little bit surprising, maybe to its critics, because that that expansion into these very kind of on-the-ground local experiences, it's sort of doubling down on the whole kind of live like a local, you know, person-to-person, unique artisanal way to travel. Right. Um, You know, if they just wanted to be big, only to be big, they probably could have blown out, you know, the commercial side of things and um, opened up the platform to many more, you know, commercial users, which, you know, they definitely have had their share of those and it hasn't gone very well. But, uh, but, you know, this is really doubling down on that sort of unique, you know, one of a kind experience, whether it's where you're staying or what you're doing when you, when you are in the place you're visiting or, or what have you. The book is Air, the Airbnb story. The author of it is Lee Gallagher. She is a, a, an editor at Fortune magazine. Uh, finally, for you, I would think that Brian and, and his other co-founders, while they had great visions of success when at some point, uh, what has happened to this company, and I think Uber may be in this in this realm as well. I would think there has to be a level of surprise even for them to see what has happened with Airbnb over the last few years. Yeah, it's funny. I recently did an, a video interview with Brian Chesky for a Fortune article, and I, I in it, I you know, we kind of talked about this, and he said in the very beginning, he thought, you know, wow, if we're really successful with this, someday hundreds of people might use this. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just funny. Yeah, but, like, right. <laughs> But I think that's also why they got into some trouble with regulators and, and with controversies and with some of the things they've gotten into trouble with because they didn't expect it to be this big. You know, they didn't right. design it to be this big and be in these cities that where people don't like them and, and where it causes all this trouble and, and, you know, breaks all these laws. And, you know, they didn't foresee that. And so when they designed the whole new product around experiences, they kind of did that with more, with much more with eyes wide open, having been through everything they've been through well, wow, this might get to be really big. So what are the problems we can plan for in advance? And let's anticipate the criticism before. Uh, I don't know that they'll have as much criticism about the trips as they've had around the housing side. Housing yeah. is such an incredibly emotional topic, but but they definitely have learned, to your point. But they but they have really, they have worked with the, the different cities and, and and the entities within cities, the, to a degree, the hotel industry, I, I would say, on the outside, to, to kind of, not necessarily ingratiate themselves, but to kind of fit into the communities to a degree. They have. I mean, you know, there's a lot of headlines around the, the situation in New York and San Francisco, which are two of their toughest and most combative markets. But that's true. Absolutely. They have um, gone in and partnered with cities all over the, the world. And, um, you know, their way, they are not, you know, jerky guys. They're nice guys. And that sort of translates to the whole culture it's which sort of sets up an interesting contrast with Uber right now, but they they do come from this place of especially kind of after a few years in, this is a real educational experience for uh, Chesky, which he talks about. He thought if someone doesn't like you, you just avoid them, and then you right. know his number two executive, Belinda Johnson, really taught him, you know, no, you got to go meet, go face to face with the people that don't like you. It's the only way you're ever going to come to a place of agreement, and so. They were, that is their approach, but it doesn't mean that it's going to work everywhere. There are some people that really – the opposition in some places is is very political and, and based around, you know, housing issues. That also they have come around and sort of changed their policy on Airbnb. They have, you know, places like New York, they have a policy now where you should only rent the home that you live in. And, you know, there's a neighbor complaint, uh, you know, program now to address that and other things. So they've tried to – they've tried to – 
you know, address these issues as, as they've come up. It's a great book, Lee. Thank you very much for giving us your time today. Thanks for having me. For more business news and analysis from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.